Monk Realty Show is the podcast at the intersection of real estate, technology, and future. This podcast is produced by Monk Tech Labs, which owns and operates SaaS products like the House Monk, which is used to manage residential portfolios, and the Office Monk, which is used to manage commercial portfolios. Welcome back to another episode of the Monk Realty Show. We've had a lot of different guests uh, on the show, including real estate developers, operators, finance providers. But today, for the first time, we have someone from the real estate academics industry. Um, I'm very, very pleased to welcome Dr. Michael Waters uh, onto the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for inviting me here. Fantastic. Um, you know, for uh, the people who are listening at home, you know, would you mind giving a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, as you say, I'm, I'm Dr. Michael Waters. I'm an associate professor in real estate here at Harriet Watt University in Dubai. Um, I've been in academia for close to 20 years, both in the UK and, and Dubai. I'm a chartered surveyor by qualification as well, so I have, I've, I've got practical experience uh -huh. and I try and blend those two worlds together when I deliver my lectures. So, fantastic. Probably me in, in, in 30 seconds. Fantastic. <laughs> um, also, like he's also written a fantastic book uh, about real estate in Dubai, uh, which we're going to talk about as well. But uh, let's maybe like start on the academic aspects of real estate itself, right? Yeah. Um, I've been in real estate PropTech for about a decade now and I've always felt that the role of academics is really understated, right, in the real estate industry. It's really hard to imagine someone who's building AI not being trained on computer science or someone who's in the biotech industry, like will not like academically trained to be in biology or in, in the biotech industry. But we don't quite notice that in real estate, right? So we have like uh, people with MBAs and like people with a lot of other like uh, academic backgrounds who make their way into real estate. Yeah. Well, why do you think that is so? So I think, uh, I mean, one of the advantages of real estate as a, as a sector is, is that it is diverse and it is accepting of, of those different backgrounds. And, it, and, and I think most thriving industries should, should allow that. Um, I think in terms of the relationship between academia and, and real estate and why that link isn't made as apparent is because as individuals, as we go through our life, our most common interaction with with the real estate sector is through a broker, is through uh -huh. leasing or, or, yeah. or, or parents buying a house or us buying a house. So when, when we say we've got an educational program on real estate, there's a bit of confusion there of, of what that means. And you know, I would, I would, in a, in a very, in a very simple terms, you know, an MSc in real estate is is like any other master's level business degree. We, uh -huh. We're getting students to think about the strategic elements, the financial appraisals, the uh -huh. economics behind real estate as our asset class uh -huh. that the degree focuses on. Uh -huh. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and let's say a student who kind of takes up a course in real estate. What is kind of included in the curriculum? What are they actually going to be learning? Okay, so so broadly speaking, uh, as I say, to link it back to what I just said about it being a business degree, uh -huh. um, there, there's courses on economics. So uh -huh. things around how cities form, how cities develop, uh -huh. uh, rents within a city, uh -huh. and how that evolves over time. Um, the forces of change that, that disrupt those common um, economics. We then have courses on on how assets are valued, how buildings are valued, mm -hmm. um, how how people are making investment decisions through investment appraisal, how buildings are built, so the building technology. Uh, obviously, the operational phase of real estate is, is a really important one. So mm -hmm. you know the, the asset management, how 
how how strategic we can be in terms of managing the assets that get built. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we do look at more forward-looking trends, so things around uh, topics of, of sustainability. It's, it's kind of embedded across the program, and and we also have specifically at Harriet Watt introduced a data analytics course because mm-hmm. we want the students to come out with an ability to take these new forms of, mm-hmm. of information that we we can all capture mm-hmm. the technologies that capture them. Mm-hmm. But we want we want the graduates to be able to give advice based off those outputs. So we yep. want them to be uh, not worried about being taken over by technology, yep. but working with technology and providing better advice through that utilization. Oh, that's a that, that's really interesting, especially the part about consuming data um, hits very close to home for us. I, and I see that I say that because uh, even as a software platform, like we collect and generate a lot of data, but many of our customers are incapable of building insights on top of that. Yeah. Right. So they of course like have access to like dashboards and reports and things like that. But then we mentally think, oh, with this data, you can make this, these business decisions. But on the ground, it doesn't quite happen. Because yeah. they don't know how to action on top of data that they already possess, right? Yeah. So that, that makes um, a very, very interesting case. Now, let's talk about Dubai and UAE in general, right? And the real estate market over here. So you've been here for more than a decade now, right? And yeah. you've been looking at the real estate industry here very closely. What do you think a couple of things that the rest of the world should learn from the real estate industry in Dubai? Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I think... Um, you know, as I as I as I've probably written about in, in my book, uh, one of the strengths of of Dubai has been has been the governance, the uh-huh. the, the, the visionary uh, development of, of Dubai has been been really fascinating. Um, uh-huh. And one of the things I think um, the benefits Dubai is is the much longer term rule that's in place. Yeah, and so therefore the vision. Mm. can be much longer term and mm-hmm. you know in, in any good business yeah success happens when we have a much more stable strategic plan mm-hmm. and i think if we look at you know the dubai 2040 plan as mm-hmm. the blueprint of where dubai is going to be yeah in the future that should be giving people confidence about what this city will look like mm-hmm. um in other in other markets you can have very short-term political change that disrupt yeah. anything that's done previously and yeah I think Dubai, as a from a governance perspective, is um, you know that's a that's a real I think a, a key driver and enabler to to that. Um, I think as a as a as a as a city or again slightly around regulation, there's been open ears to to, to criticisms and mm-hmm. being quick to to improve regulation and, and again a lot of the. Areas that are important for real estate investors would be data transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, recently in 2022, Dubai's moved into the transparent status. Mm-hmm. So that just, you know, things like the open data platform that DLD have made available allows people to make much more informed decisions, mm-hmm. uh, which helps with price volatility and reducing price volatility. Yeah. yeah, it reduces speculation and all the things that essentially damage real estate markets. Yeah, that, that's been good. And as a city, um, as a whole, again, it's it's got a. It, I would call it an open city. Mm-hmm. It's accepted. You know, ninety percent of the population is is expatriate. Mm-hmm. It's accepted uh, the view that if you want to have access to the economy here, mm-hmm. 
you know, there's these rules that you follow, the businesses follow those rules. Yeah. And, you know, it's very clear. But it but but again the openness of that is is something that not all governments follow. So I think yeah, those would be my three areas that I would say very, yeah. other countries could perhaps oh, learn. Fantastic. And what do you think is something that Dubai can learn from other parts of the world? Okay. Yeah, I mean I think um I think I think linking in with the previous answer, you know, being open to criticism and seeing where we can learn from other other mm-hmm. markets. Um, so so of course you can't you can't improve the transparency of your real estate market without seeing what other markets are doing and mm-hmm. being able to respond to that mm-hmm. and actually probably giving investors a better data set than where you know my home market now mm-hmm. whereas previously I would say it was the other way around mm-hmm. um, I also think that um, again the speed of regulation the speed of change the speed of adaption has been is, is been uh, has been has been strong um historically dubai kind of had this vision if we go back to visions of wanting to be the best and it still has the vision of wanting to yep, be the best yep. city in the world so so naturally it would look at other markets and mm-hmm. and there's links to certain countries historically that have led to say well what is that city why is that city successful what, mm-hmm. what why is london successful yeah. why is new york successful let's try and create that within our location but yep. let's also do it in a way that respects the you know the region that we're in so i think um it's naturally had to learn from mm-hmm. other countries but i in area in some areas it's probably now surpassing yeah uh, because of I, I as i say the, the key area would be the the long-term governance the, the visionary uh, no. blueprint that, that that allows them to do no fair enough and i think like talking about dubai itself and touching upon the point of governance and the fact that the governance here like things in decades right like and not just like years yeah um sustainability is such a core focus uh for the government here and you know like for for the leadership here yeah um in the real estate world sustainability is a topic that we've been talking about like for a long time right how would you make a case to a real estate developer that now is the time to actually move on sustainability yeah okay No, I think there's some interesting evolutions. Um and again, one of the 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 commentary that I put forward to this, this towards the end of my book there's two two chapters. One is on sustainability and one is on smart cities. Mm-hmm. And they're both they both come under the sort of future directions. Where where is Dubai heading? Mm-hmm. What's driving that growth? And in in the sustainability chapter I w- I would say that because it's a relatively young city uh, young city mm-hmm. um because we've already started to see high high grade high highly rated sustainable buildings mm-hmm. like ICD Brookfield place on the ground yeah there's an opportunity um for Dubai to capture the ESG compliant occupiers so global businesses all now want to be yeah ESG compliant they want to be in the best buildings mm-hmm. and another area of the book is about attracting more institutional capital to dubai which is something historic that that dubai hasn't been able to do for various reasons mm-hmm. but one of the opportunities would be if if we start building these and then developers start putting mm-hmm. uh single owned grade a lead platinum or highly highly rated sustainable buildings mm-hmm. 
on the ground, there's going to be appetite from, from institutional capital, mm -hmm. uh, which, which would be a, a new phase for, for Dubai's growth. And I also think from a from a regulatory perspective and maybe on more on the residential side as well, um, we're starting to see building classification programs take place mm. whereby uh, you know landlords of those buildings that are are green or sustainable uh -huh. can actually increase their rents to a higher proportion within a district compared to uh, a building that might not be compliant. So I think by do you, do you feel that even in the residential space like tenants are starting to think about sustainability do you think tenants will pay a premium i think that, yeah the, i mean there's a generation of 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 uh, you know environmentally conscious uh decisions and mm. uh, and i think yes the building classification isn't all about sustainability it's it's about the merits of the building and how it's managed mm -hmm. but sustainability will naturally be part of that mm -hmm. management um you you'll have an audience who will be willing to you know, pay higher rents to be in buildings that uh -huh. give them those those attributes. So I, I do think, um, yeah, I do think both the residential and the commercial sector uh -huh. will have appetite. Um, a couple of the case studies in in the book are to do with sustainable city uh, and, and district uh, or Expo City, as it's now called, District Twenty Twenty, uh -huh. um, as a sort of exemplar models. And I think we'll grow from those types of projects, and we'll start to see it becoming more more mainstream because the world is all signing up to have much more uh, environmentally conscious buildings uh, uh -huh. and you know the real estate as we know is such a <clears throat> you know such a uh, an important part and it, and it goes from management to development to you know the occupy demand but the occupy demand is indicating this these are the buildings that we want yeah, I think that that makes a really strong case and that was uh, it's a takeaway for me as well um, because I've been tracking sustainability in real estate for a few years now, right? Yeah. And there is a lot of movement around ESG and we can see that like happening a lot more in the West but I think it's kind of like making its way um, towards uh, the East as well. Um, but that makes a very clear case, right? Saying, hey, unless your building is sustainable, unless it meets, you know, these ESG yeah. requirements, um, these corporate occupiers are not going to come and they're yeah. simply going to make pay more than any other occupier that you can find in the market. But that makes a very clear case, right? Saying, hey, this is the reason why you need to move on sustainability yeah. right, uh, right now. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I think that's a good takeaway for uh, developers as well. Um, that, okay, like yeah. make more sustainable buildings, it's it's just going to give you more returns than... I think, yeah, I mean, I think academically and, and, and the private sector-led research is kind of, you know, is, is, com is sort of combined to a point now that there is a consensus. There is, and even if the business case wasn't strong, you know, even if those variables in the cash flow, mm -hmm. like, you know, you're going to get a rental premium or you're going to get lower yields and you're mm -hmm. going to get higher capital values. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the fact that it's now in our, you know, it's the decision making, it's the conscious yeah. Yeah. of us. We need to start doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter whether we get these returns or not. It's, yeah. it's actually, yeah giving back and, and making sure that as a collective, the industry is doing better. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point as well, because I think real estate contributes to about maybe 40% of the global carbon footprint. Yeah. So if there is one industry which can actually make an impact yeah. uh, and have the most impact, it's, it's definitely the real estate industry. Yeah. Right? So, and uh, I think it's high time that people started. And I think with the current trends of hybrid working and mm -hmm. looking at space mm -hmm. more efficiently, mm -hmm. the types of spaces that we want people to work in, yeah. 
maybe taking in less mm -hmm. less space but better quality space yeah also drives home that there's a business case to develop yeah these these buildings because yeah. businesses might not take as much space on yeah but the environment that it creates for, for the workforce yeah when there's talent competition yeah it's going to be a lot better yeah so it's becoming more human centric and people centric rather than just looking at yeah. profits yeah and, and there's also this point that we're starting to see more and more residential buildings which have like you know office spaces like maybe like a small co-working maybe like a working cafe like yeah. built right into the building yeah and it's yeah. like in order effect because now people don't need to commute to the office yeah and we kind of like save there right so even if the building itself is not high on sustainability but the building is enabling um less commute yeah. uh, than what they would otherwise have done and that also makes a very strong case. Yeah, and I think that, again, that generation, well, the generation behind me, because I'm getting older, <laughs> uh, thri are thriving in that kind of environment where they yep. can, you know, the freelance, more nomadic, yeah. you know, jobs can be done. I, I don't want to work, I don't want to be doing the, the slog of a, yeah. of a nine to five, yeah. or even longer. Yeah. Uh, I want to be able to choose how I work, where I work, flexible working. You know, and all of those, as you say, those models create that environment yeah. for, for that generation. Um, you don't have to tell me that because I have 70 people in my office that are constantly trying to convince me that they don't need to be in an office. <laughs> and I try to make the uh, the opposite argument. But yeah. um, like broadly, even like we're kind of sold that, especially if you're in the knowledge economy, like you, you probably don't need to go into, you know, like an office on a daily basis. So we have like a hybrid policy as do most companies right now. Yeah. So, but maybe like just, you know, talking about that a little. How do you think commercial real estate developers and owners could possibly react to this? Is like a generational shift, right? Yeah. So pre-pandemic, of course, like there was like hybrid work environment, but it was really small, right? It was a very small percentage of the population. Uh, and now, like the world has completely changed. Now, how does a real estate developer react to a generational shift that happens in two years? And yeah. how do they kind of like maybe like repurpose their buildings, or like how should they really be thinking about development? Well, I, 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 it goes back to that point of, of where the question started, which is having the credentials to attract uh, occupiers in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having more open um, spaces, having more social spaces mm -hmm. within the environments that, that get people. And I think you know, probably we're, 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 we're all working in that way that we go back, we go to the office to, to undertake certain tasks, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, solving problems that we might be facing or yeah. uh, innovation, thought leadership type things we can only really do when we're sat around yeah. or in certain parts of a, of a building discussing them. Um, so I think, you know, developers just need, I mean, you know, going back to sort of 101 real estate, investment is the cash flow is driven by knowing what occupiers want mm -hmm. and occupiers want flexibility. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they want uh, highly innovative and sustainable spaces. Mm -hmm. So that they would be the, you know, they would be the area. So there's, there's more of a, uh, an interplay between the landlord and tenant relationship or the mm -hmm. developer and occupier relationship than just saying, here's a building, yeah. sign a 20 year lease. Right. And we'll see you again in 20 years. <laughs> you know, it's much more, much more um, responsible in terms yeah. of it's not just left for the tenant to to do. So I think uh, you know the, the best spaces. Uh, and I keep saying about ICD, but you know that was that was launched 
you know, that, that was taking tenants during COVID, which uh -huh. is a particularly challenging time. Uh -huh. Obviously now, you know, there's those, you know, it'll be 90. Yeah, you've got the signature project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. there's a lot to be said for this type of, um, these types of developments that these 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 showcase what can be done and they, they showcase oh. with evidence that there is demand from global allies to take that and to take that space on and, and within that building there was a whole range of different leasing models from mm -hmm. you know smaller flexi yeah. space to, yeah. to large floor yeah. plans and, and you know adaptive and responsive floor plans so yeah that would be the the general message i think oh, fair enough no, i agree with you on that like there, there need, the fundamental dynamics between behind the commercial real estate industry has changed yeah right so it's no longer as you said it's not it's not really like a okay landlord uh you know tenant relationship it's really more of what is the end goal because i, I know that a lot of the residential real estate sector uh, the, the the resi sector is actually moving a lot faster yeah we're, we're seeing like you know co-living spaces and community spaces and so many others that are coming up and they're kind of pulling tenants to continue being inside the house and not leave right and they're making a very strong case right? yeah um, and we have a lot of uh, our customers who are in the co-living industry and a lot of them in the student housing industry etc and they've moved very quickly uh, on the shift and we're seeing a lot of lot of engagement and the market is very receptive to it right um, so whether it is kind of repurposing let's say a three-bedroom apartment into like a two-bed plus study yeah uh, or whether it is you know kind of like putting up an extra floor uh, in the building, which is just like a like a co-working kind of a floor. Yeah. Uh, so they've done quite a lot on the resi side to kind of like keep people in. Uh, maybe commercial real estate has not moved as quickly. Yeah. I, I maybe like I, I think the industry is kind of like figuring out what is their role in in the shift. Yeah. There, there will be some there will be some opportunities. There will be some challenges. As yeah. There, yeah. As yeah. there always is when when uh, um, tides turn. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, th I think well, as a, as a general man, that's that's where the world. Yeah, seemingly heading. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Now let's talk a little about technology in real estate, etc. Right. Yep. So, real estate and technology, I think, have had. Um, I wouldn't say like a. It, it's it's a little complicated relationship, and I only say that because for the size of the opportunity that uh, the industry presents, when we look at the penetration of technology in the industry, it's far lower than a lot of the other industries that we see, and. Looks like things are changing, um, but maybe it's not where it is in a lot of the other verticals that we see. Right? Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts behind why that is so? Why is like real estate industry a little slower to adopt technology than other industries? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult question. I, I, I agree that it's probably been, yeah, slow, slow to adapt, slow to adopt, um, and slow, slow to innovate generally. Um, perhaps, perhaps it's going back to the whole. Sort of clunkiness of the transaction and mm -hmm. dealing with people and various stakeholders, mm -hmm. and maybe there's a solution there that can be that can improve that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, certainly within within the valuation space and and uh, you know bank bank risk risk taking. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's a there's a role for autonomous valuations mm -hmm. um, to to sort of bridge that gap so that there isn't. You know, there's there's better data now. There's 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 a there's a platform for technology so that banks can make quicker decisions, mm -hmm. more cost-effective decisions, and, and uh, you know, hopefully that leads to 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 consumers getting a better a better deal. And of course, we're in an environment 
now where consumers would want a better deal if they're mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. bank lending on. So, um, you know, there's those those vari- variations. Um, the the industry as a whole. So even if you, if you take the example of valuation and commercial valuation, probably more so than residential. You know, it, it's still it's still a fairly closed industry. I mean, there's certain so there's certain key information that a valuer needs, and we try the best we can to do that through comparative uh-huh. data. We try and look at a transaction, but we don't have all the details about that transaction. We don't right. understand all the lease mechanics. So. You know whether whether we'll be in a world where you know we can walk down the street and see mm-hmm. you know see the cash flow of that building and yeah. hold our phones up to that mm-hmm. and, and you know live in that transparent world or, or put a set of goggles on them you know it all <laughs> it all shows us the dollar signs of these buildings but that's always been an issue and that, and that's not Dubai specific that's you know that's even the mature markets of the world yeah. have this sort of secrecy yeah. and lack of willingness to, yeah. to share information yeah. across the board. So technology obviously embeds, embedded breeds efficiency, doesn't it? Um, and one of the things I think when we go back to what we were just discussing about co-working and, and mm-hmm. remote working, mm-hmm. that wasn't there because of probably trust or lack of trust. And I- I think during COVID, we, we, it was a it was a necessity. It wasn't another option. Right. So we've kind of overcome that a little bit. Perhaps in the transactional world mm-hmm. of real estate, mm-hmm. technology will solve problems. But mm-hmm. we need to break the trust of, you know, I need to see the lawyer, I need to see the estate agent, yeah. I need to see the surveyor. Right. So th- they're all embedded in our mm-hmm. in our sort of decision making that mm-hmm. um, those things could happen. But of course, one of the criticisms or one of the challenges of real estate as an asset class is that you need a lot of money to, to diversify yeah. and technology is innovating around indirect investment forms yeah. and you know fractionalization and, yeah. and buying units of a shopping mall in Asia or Dubai or wherever it might be yeah. that that's going to be the advantage because yeah. it'll open up the market yeah. to more people yeah. so that, that's where I would say hopefully explain why there might be some challenges, but where the opportunities might lie. Interesting. So for someone who uh, reads the book, yeah, what could be something that they would get from this book that they're unlikely to get from the internet? Okay. So I think, as I said, I think it, it puts it, it puts views on, so it's not just, um, yeah, it's not just layers and layers of, of, of raw data. It, it's looking at things from a an impartial perspective. So as an academic, I don't sit with, you know, I don't sit with, I don't sit on a, on a, on a, on a perch, but I don't sit with any sort of uh, views about what I should be saying and Uh supporting the market if, if I wanted to benefit from it. Uh So I think because it's impartial, Uh it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be quite objective in that sense. so I think people will appreciate the fact that there's a lot of information that um, is contained. Um, people come here, they don't necessarily understand the historic context. Mm-hmm. Um, they might not understand, you know, some of the processes in terms of, mm-hmm. um, you know, when it comes to taking on a mortgage, what things might you have to consider. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not written in any heavy academic sense, but I've tried to use academic skills and uh-huh. tools to present how someone might actually view right. um, Dubai 
And I think going back to what I said about one of the books that I read about being, you know, being able to switch off and really support why you're investing here uh-huh. is having a plan. And then yeah. it starts off with, you know, how do you actually assess what that 10 year DCF model might look like if I'm yeah. buying in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And of course, then if we live through any uncertain times that mm-hmm. we live through, mm-hmm. you just revisit that and say, these were the reasons. Yeah. I think when you start questioning why you buy in a certain real estate market, mm-hmm. it's because you haven't really thought about what, you, what you're getting from it and what the merits are. Mm-hmm. Um, what other things? So again, I've, again, there is an educational side to it. Again, trying to piece together all the legislation, and, and I do say at the start of the book, you know, a book on Dubai real estate could take many forms, and this and is just one way. Yeah. So with with a with a sort of chartered surveyor hat on, uh-huh. an academic hat on, nice. uh, with a view that you know, even even an agent who comes to Dubai, uh-huh. they want to just be. They want to be better. They want to be knowledgeable to their clients. They want yeah. different ways to present information to yeah. clients to yeah. give them a better service. Mm-hmm. I hope that you know by looking at this book, yeah. they might get inspiration as to how they might articulate oh, uh, some views on, on on opportunities and present that in a way that you know people are are, are talking about um, fi- financial decisions elsewhere. So, nice. um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I hope it's an interest to a wide audience. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, you know, I, I get questioned a lot about uh, various things, and those questions come up time and time again. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to answer them oh, in, in the book as well. So, as I say, it's tw- twelve chapters, three hundred pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of content. Um, it is, you know, data informed. Um, I've worked with a lot of. Uh, well-respected professionals as well. It's not just all me. Uh-huh. Uh, some acknowledgements to people who've uh-huh. inputted their thoughts and their, uh-huh. their their years of experience here uh-huh. as well on certain aspects. So uh, it certainly wasn't a single uh, <laughs> single race. But uh, yeah, so I just think, as I said, I think it's it's long overdue. Yeah, there are books on Dubai, uh-huh. and they've taken, you know, they talk different different aspects of it. They uh-huh. talk about different time periods of course one of the advantages is that it's an up-to-date book it talks yeah. you know about the recency of what's being done yeah um and yeah so i think um yeah i, I hope it covers enough for people to be interested in it fantastic now i'm really excited for the launch of the book uh, so for those people listening in we're going to leave a copy uh, we're going to leave a link uh, to where you can buy a copy of this book. Uh, I'm presuming it's going to be on Amazon and all the. It's yeah, currently on Amazon. Um, it's uh, pre-ordering now. It's nice. officially out next Tuesday. But, oh, oh, but people can order the, order the book now for it to be delivered shortly after that. Day. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. So we're going to leave a link to that uh, in the description. So please make sure that you use that to place your copy, uh, place your order for your copy. Um, I think we're kind of like running out of time, and we've covered most of what we wanted to cover yeah. today. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Dr. Waters. This was super, super insightful. And thank you once again for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. If you like the show, please don't forget to give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.